Strategic Living with Brian Holmes, episode number 28. Hi, this is Ray Edwards from RayEdwards.com, and you're listening to Brian Holmes, one of my favorite people and certainly one of my favorite podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the program today. You have found the Strategic Living Podcast, where we are all about transforming minds, developing leaders, awakening dreams, activating destinies. We want to see you become all God's created you to be and to accomplish all that he has called you to do. I'm really excited today. If you can't tell it in my voice, I have a very, very special program for you today. My guest is none other than New York Times bestselling author, Dan Miller. It's going to be awesome. I hope you can just get in a place where you can receive this and enjoy it. Let's get started, everybody. Well, it's great to have you with us on the program today. As always, I'm deeply honored that you would take time and bring us into your home, into your automobile, into your iPhone, your iPad, your Droid, your whatever. (laughs) This is the digital age, and it's on-demand radio. And I tell you what, there's so much wonderful content out there that you can consume, and I I don't take it lightly that you've taken time to listen to this program today, and I want to say thank you for doing so. And if this is your first time to find us, welcome. I trust you'll just dive right into the community here and engage with us in conversation on a regular basis. Really want you to benefit from what we have to offer you. Well, normally I would take a number of minutes here and just talk about various things that are going on and just catch you up on what's been happening that sort of thing. But I tell you what, I want to get right into today's program. It was a great privilege of mine just a couple of days ago to interview Dan Miller. He is the president of 48 Days, and you may be familiar with his New York Times bestselling book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. He's also written books like No More Dreaded Mondays, Wisdom Meets Passion. He's been on countless TV programs, The Early Show, Hardball with Chris Matthews, Dave Ramsey Show. He's spoken at the White House and, of course, is a very, very much in-demand speaker all over the world. And what he loves to do is to help people like you and I to connect their passions, their dreams, their, their natural skills, their abilities, even their personality styles with what God has given them to do and really get them honed in on their purpose on their calling, on their vocational ministry, whatever that may be in the marketplace or wherever it may be. I I don't know anybody else that is really traveling in this lane at the level that Dan is. And I'm so privileged that he's taken time to come and spend this time with you and and to share his heart with you. And uh, just we had a great conversation, and I'm anxious to share it with you. So without further ado, I want to take you right now to my interview with my new friend, Dan Miller. Well, it's a privilege today to have Dan Miller on the program with us. And let me just give you a little bit of a backdrop on how I came to know Dan. 
I actually met Dan in Atlanta, Georgia, May of 2012, which goes back a couple of years, and uh, I really had no idea he was going to be at the speaker's boot camp that I was attending, and he certainly had no idea that I would be there, but we met briefly. I got to hear him speak. We had just a little bit of interaction, and from that particular engagement, I began reading and following his work, and specifically, I read 48 Days to the Work You Love, which we'll talk more about here in just a few minutes, but I began listening to his podcast every week without fail, and Needless to say, I was inspired, I was encouraged, I was frankly blown away that someone was really out there helping others to pursue their God-given passions and dreams and really challenging them to believe that it's okay to do what you love doing and, and that money and resources actually will follow that. So a few weeks ago, my wife and I had the privilege of traveling to Franklin, Tennessee, which by the way is a great little town, and we spent two very wonderful days with Dan, with his family, and a handful of other leaders and coaches there at the sanctuary. And it was just a, a really great two days for us. And out of that, relation, uh, I believe a relationship's really developing. And I'm very deeply honored to have Dan Miller in my life. I'm especially honored, Dan, that you're here on the program today, the Strategic Living Podcast. Man, thank you and welcome to the program. Well, absolutely. I'm honored to be your guest today, Brian. I've enjoyed our recently uh, ignited friendship, and I know we'll do lots of things together. Absolutely. Well, for our listeners, Dan, just give me a little bit of your backstory, how you became the 48 Days guy and how all of that sort of uh, evolved over time. Well, like a lot of uh, success in life, it didn't happen overnight. And it kind of evolved even being the 48 days guy. I mean, everything that I'm doing today evolved out of just volunteering as a Sunday school teacher years ago. But out of that little Sunday school class, it sowed the seeds of uh, opportunity for me as I saw that we were able to help people, inspire them, give them hope and encouragement and some real tools for going through these inevitable career transitions. But I, at the beginning, I certainly didn't intend for it to ever be anything more than a Sunday school class. I'd always been involved in church and that was, was comfortable leading the class. But as people came from other churches and then other states, we saw that this went beyond just a normal Sunday school class. We opened it up on a Monday night, did an open community seminar for eight years. And in that period of time, developed the materials that ultimately came, became 48 days to the work you love. And the 48 days is, was kind of a, an afterthought in that process of just helping people through career transitions, because I, I became concerned about the fact that people would come with uh, work that they really disliked and lives that were kind of out of whack and we'd create a plan of action. And two years later I'd run into them and nothing had changed. I thought, wow, there's got to be some kind of accountability here. So it's not just when all the lights are green or when the kids are grown or when it suits. And so the 48 days, we put that on there as a reasonable time frame in which to look at where am I, get the advice and opinion of other people, look at the alternatives choose the best one and act. And I think we can do use that process for dramatic changes in our lives and whatever area we need it, at least as a starting point to put us in a new direction. And it's been a wonderful journey to have the privilege of working with people over the last few years now in those processes that in fact do give them new direction. Outstanding. A couple of weeks ago when I was with you there at the sanctuary, my wife and I, you told a story that just, uh, I'd heard it once before 
but really made more of a connection, I think, this time about Akiva, the rabbi. I'd love for you to share that. I think it'd be a great jumping off place for our conversation today. Uh, Just share that with our listeners, please. Oh, that'd be great. I I love that little story as well. Akiva, the rabbi, lived in Capernaum, and he, as rabbis do, would do studying and working, and then he left his little cottage and would go into the town once in a while for supplies, and he had done that on this particular day, got caught up in talking to villagers and realized the day was getting late and he needed to get back to his little cottage. So he headed home as it was getting dark, reciting scripture to himself as he walked, you know, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or standeth in the way of sinners, sitteth in the sea of the scornful. And all of a sudden he heard a voice that said, who are you? Why are you here? What well, kind of jarred him in his thinking? And he thought, wow, I'm hearing things. I need to be more careful about letting my mind wander. And he started walking again. And again, the voice came out, who are you and why are you here? Well, at that point, in the fog and the mist that was collecting the late late afternoon, he realized, he looked up and realized he had was right in front of the Roman garrison. He had obviously taken a wrong turn. Instead of following the little path back to his home, he had taken a wrong turn. And now he was right in front of the Roman garrison. And the young guard there had stopped him, asked him those questions. But being a rabbi, Instead of just answering the question, he answered the question with a question. He said, young man, how much do they pay you to stand there and ask that of all those who approach? And young man said, you know, a hundred denarii a week. And he said, the rabbi said, I will double your pay if you come with me, stand outside my cottage and ask me those questions every morning when I come out. Who are you and why are you here? I love this story. I just love this story. As you well know, my wife and I are all about helping people discover who they are and why they're here. I think that's probably why the story resonates so much with me. We also, like you, are about helping them to find out what their unique calling and purpose is and how they can be truly activated to to go out and accomplish those dreams, those passions, those desires. You've worked with so many thousands of people, as you mentioned a moment ago over the years. I'm sure uh, you probably lost count a number of years ago. Why, why do you suppose, Dan, there's such a disconnect in people's minds and hearts between the work they do and what they love and enjoy to do? Well, there's a couple reasons, I think. One is when we're 18 or 19 and we make those decisions about what we're going to major in in college or, or what kind of work we're going to get involved in, we kind of set the stage for the the next 30 years of our lives when we don't really have enough life experience to even know how to ask the right questions. It takes some time to really get to know ourselves well enough and to see how God has prepared us and positioned us. And sometimes that's not going to happen when we're in our teenage years. So there's that. But then there's also the fact that we have this kind of cultural expectation that we just be responsible. And the responsible thing to do is get a job. Not particularly ask yourself if you enjoy it or if it's a really good fit for your talents and gifts, but just be responsible. Get a job, bite the bullet. That's what work is all about. Just take your lunch bucket and go to the salt mines every day. So with that kind of mentality and that time factor, all of a sudden people wake up at 45 years old and say, wait a minute, you know, is this really all there is? Yeah, I'm being responsible. Yeah, I've got a job. Boy, this has no connection with my heart or my passions at all. There's got to be more than this. And I've had the pleasure of, of working with people who are asking, in fact, those very questions. And it's a great time at any given point to draw a line in the sand and say, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going and how am I going to get there? 
you know, I, I work with a lot of people myself, and you you would know that I've been in the pastoring field for a long time, and then of course travel a great deal and engage with people heart to heart quite often. It really blows me away how many people are in that place you just described that they are they're busy and they're doing the responsible thing. They're providing for their family. They're they're working their job. They get up every day and go do it again. But they are so miserable, so unhappy, and and maybe most of all, they're unfulfilled. It, it's almost as though what they're doing doesn't really have a lot of significance to it as it relates to the bigger picture. What what is the process that you prescribe to people as they come to that that critical place where they it's just it's kind of a no turning back place. They they realize that I'm either going to be content and just settle in here and be miserable the rest of my life, or I've got to make a change. What's some of the first steps that you encourage people to take as they really strive to find what it is they they desire to do? Sure. And uh, Brian, you've you've given a great synopsis of how people feel about where they are. And with your having worked for all these years in traditional ministry areas, you didn't um, you didn't just peel back the onion on this totally, but you certainly alluded to that there are a lot of people even in ministry oh, yeah. positions who recognize it's not a fit. They're actors or actresses. They're trying to play the part of something that is not a fit for them. But we've, we've got this, again, um, um, a myth in our culture and certainly in theological circles that doing something in the church or church-related is somehow a higher calling than being a competent brain surgeon or a truck driver or an attorney or a plumber or an electrician. Now that's, we, we don't have enough time to unpack all of that, but I've seen a whole lot of people in traditional ministry positions who are saying, man, this is not it. You know, I, I can go through the motions, but there's no connection here. Something's wrong. So how do you do this? How do you figure out what really is authentic? Now, as opposed to the cultural expectation that you just grab the paper and look at who's hiring or where there are opportunities, I mean, that, those are Band-Aid solutions. I tell people 85% of the process of having a confidence of proper direction comes from looking inward, comes mm-hmm. from looking at what you already should know about yourself. What are those unique skills and abilities? Not just things that you have the ability to do or that you know you can do, but things that also blend your personality traits and your values, dreams, and passions. I mean, I've encountered lots of attorneys and physicians and dentists and engineers and accountants who have proven their ability to do what they do well and hate the lives that they've created. There has to be a blending of things, and it takes looking inward to determine what those are. But the fortunate thing is that by the time we have a little life experience, I mean, even at 30 or 35, we've got enough life experience to start to look back and see some patterns, see some trends that are emerging And from those, we can say, aha, it's when I'm doing this that my heart sings. It's when I'm doing this that time just flies by. Those are realistic ways to look at what is my calling? What is my mission? What should I really be doing? And once we know those things about ourselves, our skills and abilities, our personality tendencies, our values, dreams, and passions, then and only then can we create a clear, realistic focus And then the 15% is, all right, now how can I apply that in daily work that is meaningful, purposeful, fulfilling, and profitable? And we can do that. No matter where we start, everybody can do that process. I'm sure you could cite 
hundreds, and I'm sure you've documented hundreds of examples of people you've worked with or come across that's either read your book or gone through one of your courses, but give me one or two examples that just come to your mind of people who have gone through this process of really looking inward, searching their heart, and really getting in touch with uh, not only their passions, but the things that God's put in their heart to accomplish as a result of them being here on the earth at this time. Some people that have really gone through the process and come out the other side fully engaged in what it is God's given them to do. Yeah, I do have lots of examples, just wonderful stories about people's lives that have been transformed as they figure out what is authentic, what is a fit for them. Brian, you may remember being here at my office in the sanctuary. I have this beautiful painting back in an alcove in my office, and it's of a musical scene. It's an abstract painting. But the young man who did that came to me as a pastor and fully convinced that it was the most godly thing he could do, but he was obviously miserable. The church was struggling. They sent him to see me. And I said, man, who sold you this bill of goods? And he, he was taken back. He said, what do you mean? You know, isn't this the most godly thing I could possibly do? And I said, no, not if it's not a fit for you. It's not at all. So we looked at what is it that he would do that really did make him come alive? What puts him in the zone? We talk about athletes being in a zone where we just recognize, wow, this is what I was born to do. And he would describe going into a room in his house, locking the door, putting on Beethoven or Mozart, and he would paint just as a cathartic release. He had never shown it to anybody, never sold anything. I had him quit everything that he was doing. And for four years, he did faux finishes using brushes, sponges, rags to create dramatic effects on people's walls. But that gave him the freedom to do these beautiful pieces of art that he does today. And that's all that he does today. But he's at this point making somewhere between 12 to 15 times the money he ever made as a pastor. But we didn't do it because of the money. We did it because it was an authentic fit. And then the money showed up in unexpected ways, which is always what happens. But the other part of that is too, you know, we can look at that and say, well, my goodness, you called away from a call to ministry. No, not at all. He's, he'll be the first to tell you my ministry has increased exponentially because as a pastor, people knew what to expect of me, what I would say. But now I'm just a painter. I'm the artist. And so I'm in people's phenomenal houses. They share open with me, their hurts, their fears, their vulnerabilities. And he says, I have way more opportunity to really minister into the lives of people today than I did before. I mean, that's just one beautiful story. I'm not an artist. Not everybody needs to be an artist. But for him, that was the fit. That was the convergence of skills and abilities that God had given him his personality tendencies, his values, dreams, and passions. That's where things came together. We see that again and again and again. I had a gentleman who came to me as a dentist, very successful by everybody's observations looking in. I was making about 350000 a year, uh, highly respected as a dentist. He had purchased, I almost hesitate to tell this, it makes me cringe when I think about it. He had an ultralight, which is essentially a, golf uh, go-kart with wings on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, that's cool, you know, but that's a lot of fun. He says, Dan, the only reason I have an ultralight is because it's a socially acceptable way of checking out of this life that I can no longer stand. And it just broke my heart. I wow. thought, you've got to be kidding me. That was his reason. As soon as we started getting him healthy, he sold his dental practice. He was one of these where he was the only child 
of blue-collar workers. They decided they were going to give their only child the, all the advantages they didn't have. He went to the finest schools, sports cars all the way through school, and at 47 years old, he realized he was living their dream, not his own. He sold his dental practice very successfully. It put him in great shape financially. He went back to school, got his master's in marriage and family counseling. He absolutely loves the work that he's doing today. Very effective as a counselor. That's what he'll do th- till the day he dies. Fantastic. You know, we, we haven't mentioned during the interview here, but of course you are a New York Times bestselling author. You've written a number of books, 48 Days to the Work You Love, uh, more recently Wisdom Meets Passion, also No More Dreaded Mondays. All of these books, you talk about a principle called revolutionary thinking. And I'm I'm one of these guys that, that teaches and proclaims and shouts from the mountaintop that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You, you got to... There, there has to be a shift in mindset, a shift in philosophy, a shift in thinking if we're going to kind of get out of these ruts that we find ourselves in. What did you mean in your books by that particular term, revolutionary thinking? I like the term revolutionary because it implies a couple things. One is coming back around. And in many ways, we're coming back around to the kind of businesses, work models that our country was founded on. When a country was not founded on people standing on on an assembly line and putting parts together and getting a guaranteed paycheck at the end of the week, it's an artificial work model. And so we're seeing as these big companies implode a birthing, an explosion of real, I mean, they're mom and pop businesses. I mean, it's not just because they're small, but because they're more authentically connected to really what people uh, need and what people need to do daily to have meaningful work. So I like that part, but I like things that, that challenge our thinking, things that shake us up. And in that sense, you know, a revolution again, to do things that shake things up. I like that in many ways, what's happened in the last couple of years, Brian, as people, a lot of people have lost their jobs is for many of them, it's served as a wake up call. Mm-hmm. It's not a disaster in the long scheme of things. It was like, it was just a wake up call. It's like, wow. Now I really can act on that dream I had 20 years ago, but I've never done anything with it. Just pushed it, push it under the carpet. So I like that kind of thing. I answered a question this week for a young man who said he has ADD. And because of that, he struggles in the job that he's got. And he knows that he's just destined to be poor the rest of his life. And I said, you got to be kidding me. Net all. I mean, we can name all kinds of people. I mean, Bill Gates and Thomas Edison and Richard Branson and go on and on and on. Robin Williams and Tom Cruise, people who are well known, who seem to be doing okay, who have clearly been diagnosed with ADD. And I said, what you are, what what you're saying is that with ADD, you're destined to be poor. I said, you're destined to be poor if you try to make yourself continue doing something that is not a fit. If you recognize what the possibilities are for you, you ought to be able to have extraordinary success in your area of expertise. Those kind of things, you know, a lot of, there's a brand new book out by Malcolm Gladwell called David and Goliath. And I love the principle in that because he really unpacks the idea that sometimes the thing we see as our greatest disadvantage in essence is our greatest asset. If we just change our thinking about it, David was not a skilled soldier. He didn't know how to wield a sword. He didn't carry a big helmet or breastplate or anything. He was a shepherd, but he had learned how to use a slingshot. And so the disadvantages he had not being a skilled soldier were the very things that gave him an un, 
unrealistic advantage for the one thing that would take down Goliath. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. That's awesome. I I think you are aware I just hosted last weekend uh, at the time of the, this recording a New beginning seminar. I think seminar was really the wrong choice of words. It was more of an encounter or a, a workshop, but we took people through processes that allowed them to to look into their future and look at their future really as a, a to use Michael E. Gerber's terminology, a, a clean sheet of paper and a beginner's mind, you know, a fresh start, an opportunity to dream again, to to reconnect with those things that for whatever reason long ago they sort of stuffed them away or filed them away, and to pursue those things that God's given them to accomplish. What What would you say to a person who right now feels as though they're just too deeply ingrained in the rut they're in. They're just, they're just there. And to them, a fresh start seems just out of reach, maybe too difficult. Uh, how, how can we encourage someone to have the faith and the confidence just to start again, to, to just draw a new line and say, okay, from here, I've got to, I've got to get this thing together. Well, we, we can visualize like a train on a railroad track. We know that it takes a major event to get that train off the track. And usually the event that gets it off is seen as a disaster. In many ways, we kind of want the same model for our lives. We're going on the track. Yeah, it's familiar. It's comfortable. Even, you know, it's predictable. Even if it's not enjoyable, at least we know what's coming up ahead. But a lot of times those events that derail us really are the same events that open up new eyes for us, new windows of opportunity. What I encourage people to do is don't wait for a disaster in your life. Don't wait for something unexpected and unwelcome. Take the initiative at any given point. It's healthy to draw that line in the sand and say, who am I? Why am I here? But to take a fresh look. I mean, we used to put a lot of value on longevity in, in employment in our country. So this, the person who had been on the job for 25 years. Oh man, he's loyal, faithful. What a great guy. You know, that's not really true anymore. Companies look at somebody like that and say, wow, did this person not keep up? This person gets stuck. This per- I mean, you ought to be a different person today than you were 25 years ago. You ought to be a different person today than you were three years ago. So we've got to welcome this process of ongoing. I mean, the journey of knowing our calling and living that out is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process. Absolutely, We got to value the journey. It's not just about a destination. It's a journey. It's an ongoing process, but we change. Things change around us. And the people who are going to maximize a fulfillment in their lives and ultimately accomplish more, however we quantify that, that's not just about dollars, but accomplish more to have a life of a bigger impact are those that welcome change and recognize that any kind of progress requires change. So I just want to encourage people that if you feel stuck, if you feel stuck, I mean, even if you describe your situation as such, chances are you're not really doing what you ought to be doing. And so it deserves taking a fresh look. What would happen? And it doesn't, I'm not a bridge burner. I'm not one to just say, quit everything you're doing, we'll figure something out. Not at all. But you ought to be able, even in a position of strength, while you're in something that is working okay, to look at what are the alternatives? What are four or five other things that I could do? What are four or five other ways that I could 
accomplish the goals that I want to accomplish this year. And then experiment with those, get the advice and opinion of other people, you know, identify what would really work for you and then just step out. Sometimes people talk about that leap of faith or risk. I cringe when I hear people talk about risk because it implies (laughs) that if I just stay in this thing, that's working. Okay. Even though I'm miserable, if I just stay here, at least I'm secure and I don't have to risk going out here and doing something on my own. But you know, we have to redefine what risk is. I mean, Thomas Stanley, who wrote the books, you know, the millionaire next door, the millionaire mind in the millionaire mind, he looked at deck of millionaires, people worth at least $10 million. Now the average person on the street would say, I've got a job at the end of the week. I get my $400 paycheck. They're making a 401k or 401k contribution for me and medical benefits right now, although that's probably going to go away. So I'll just stay here. Now, the idea of getting a little hot dog cart and going down on Second Avenue in Nashville and selling hot dogs from my cart, man, that'd be really risky. That would scare me to death. You know what DECA millionaires say? People who are extremely wealthy, they view it in exactly the reverse. They say, you got to be kidding me. You're going to go to work tomorrow morning knowing that one person can put you on a street before noon if they decide to do that. That's risky. If you like hot dogs and have a little hot dog stand and you've got 376 people that come by and buy hot dogs every day, man, you lose one, it's no big deal. You lose 10, it's no big deal. You just replace them with other people coming along. That's security, but that's a mind shift. That's that revolutionary kind of thinking And I just, I want to help people understand these new models and how we can have a healthier approach and context for especially the work that we do with the lives that we live. Oh, it's not risky. It's not just taking blind leaps of faith. It's acting on what is obvious right in front of us. If we just put together a plan of action. Fantastic. Just recently, you released a new resource called Who Am I and Why Am I Here? Imagine that. And, uh, <laughs> what, what great timing, right? Uh, uh, and I, I went through that, actually, and I, I participated in the, the original webinar and just enjoyed that immensely and have referred it to uh, several people already. But tell me, tell me about that resource and how that might help some of our listeners really engage this new future, this new beginning in their life. Well, we referenced that at the top with our little story about Akiva, where the questions came from that story. Who am I? Why am I here? But I love that, just that concept. And I think it is healthy at any given time, no matter where you are in your work career, no matter how old you are, where you are in the chronological chain, it doesn't matter. It's just healthy to say at every morning, who am I? Why am I here? I mean, I ask myself that. I mean, you you talked about new beginnings in your seminar. And I love that idea. You know, all beginnings are hopeful. Sure. Even if we didn't initiate having a new beginning, all beginnings are hopeful because we see possibilities for things that may have never existed before. But that's what I address in Who Am I? Why Am I Here? How to approach these inevitable, relentless changes in our lives, transition points. So instead of just reverting back to what's comfortable or what you're familiar with, How can you at those change points see new opportunities and then embrace those and dramatically go through, you know, into new seasons of your life? I got a letter yesterday from one of the ladies in our coaching mastery program, and she described what happened 
what has happened in her life in the last year since she attended our Coaching with Excellence event. And it, it made me weep as I read it because you know, I can give information. Information doesn't change somebody's life, but what people are looking for is not information. They're looking for transformation. But the transformation comes from them engaging with material and opportunities and creating a plan and acting on that. I mean, I can't do that for somebody else. I can guide them, point them the way, but they have to do that. But to see people who actually do that, it's extremely rewarding. Outstanding. Well, what is Dan Miller working on these days? What's the next big project, the next big event? What, what's happening in your world with the 48 Days community? Well, being the first of the year, I love this time of year because it is a time of new beginnings and I always have new things. Now, one of the things that I do as I'm planning out my goals for the upcoming year, and I always have that completed by November 15th, is I eliminate 15% of what I've been doing in the current year. Oh, wow. I just ruthlessly do that. Because as I have more opportunities, I can't just keep adding more things to my plate. I mean, we hear about people all the time being overwhelmed with all the things they're committed to. Can't do that. So in order to have an opening for new things, I knew, know I'm going to have to unplug some things I'm currently doing. So 15% of what I'm doing, boom, that's gone. But that opens up then a new 15%. And it's in that new 15% that I really do open up the big opportunities that come along, things like writing a major book and having, you know, the success that I've had there. That's not something you just sit down an afternoon and do. That comes from investing time where you may not see a return for a significant period of time. But some of the things that I've got going on right now, I mean, we've expanded our 48days.net community. We're now, you know, right at 14,000 people in there who are sharing ideas together, sharing resources in a way that just amazes me. I'm just so gratified watching the way that people help each other. It's that old adage, a rising tide raises all ships. We certainly see that in the 48days.net community. I've just launched, you know, a mastermind group that you are very aware of that I'm thrilled to have you involved and totally, totally excited about. That's going to be a major focus for me this year those people in that mastermind group where we really do share ideas together on a much smaller basis than what I just described there. I'm rapidly putting content up as online training. So everything I've got in books, I mean, what I want to do is if I have a core message and everybody has a message that they're here to share with the world, we can look for multiple ways we can share that message with others. And so not only do I have books, we have audio programs and eBooks and all that, but now I'm creating online content because that happens to be one of the most explosive, rapidly growing ways that people are looking for content. So I'm converting a lot of the things that we already have into short video presentations along with text and putting it up on sites like Udemy and others. So that's a major initiative for me this year. I'm also revising 48 Days to the Work You Love. Manuscript is due April 1st. And that's going to be released in November as a 10th anniversary edition of that book. So that's a major initiative for me as well. You're a busy guy. You've got (laughs) lots going on. I do. You know what I love about this space that you and I find ourselves in, in, you know, the information and the education and the encouraging side of things is that it really is not about us. It's about all the people that, that we're really here to serve and that we can somehow engage with our message uh, from our life story and the things we've learned along the way. And I'm, 
that's the thing that fulfills me and gives me such satisfaction is knowing that people are being touched by what we do. And and I just I love that about you. I love the fact that you are so generous and you are constantly pouring into people through all the different mediums that you have out there. And uh, just on a real personal note, as we begin to wrap this up here, let me just say that, uh, you know, I, I'm the kind of guy, I, I don't take relationships for granted. And I also, when I meet someone new for the first time and I sense a connection, I'm very careful not to to mistake that moment because uh, I find that that everything really significant in life happens because of and through relationships. And, uh, you know, two years ago or so, I met you, not quite two years ago, but almost, and you really have no idea the significant impact you have had on my life, on my family's life, on the work that I do. And the byproduct of that, of course, is that more people are being touched, more people are being reached with our message. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a willing uh, participant in this grand scheme of things. Thank you for being willing to put your heart and your life out there the way you do, it really is making a huge difference. And lastly, let me say, man, I'm just overwhelmed and honored that uh, if I can just say, like, I'm a faith guy, so I I believe God has allowed our, our paths to cross, and I am so grateful that you're in my life and so grateful you've taken time to be on the podcast with me today. Well, thanks, Brian. I appreciate that, and I take that very seriously, the opportunities that come with being connected with people. You know, when, when I meet people, I, I had a mentor, a college professor in my doctoral program years ago who said that whenever he met somebody like on an airplane, it was like, okay, am I here to help you? You're going to help me. Are we going to do something together? And I've found it to be a, a great way to frame meeting people. I have the sure, privilege sure. of meeting a lot of people and I never try to calculate, you know, what that's going to turn into. And I, I'll have to admit, I didn't remember meeting you two years ago until we just met again recently. But in the interim, I wasn't calculating, gee, what can I do with Brian or what is he going to do for me? But then we met again and it just seemed like it fit. And I'm excited about the new connections that we have. And, and I don't know exactly where it's going to go, but I'm just totally jazzed about the possibilities of things that we might be able to do together. Well, as we close here, tell us where folks can connect with you and your resources and your network of friends and community. 48days.net community is an amazing place of people who are willing and capable of helping each other. So we've got a lot of people there who are not content with average and ordinary, and it's uh, there's no cost to be a member there. You are screened to be admitted as a member, but once you're in, then you can participate in the groups and all. So that's an amazing place um, I don't have a, a real highly visible role there, but um, I'd love to have people involved in that, the 48days.net. And then 48days.com is our, our regular website where we have a lot of the resources that we've talked about here today. People can link to my blog, my podcast, newsletter, upcoming events that we've got coming up here at the sanctuary. So those two sites are the best way to do that. I We do, you know, it's one of those things I'm, I have a presence on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and all, but I don't do those personally. I'm so involved in my writing that I have other people on our team that do those. So those are lighter ways to get connected, but involved in 48days.net or 48days.com are more direct ways to participate in what I'm doing. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for your time today. And man, thank you for being with us. And I'm going to go ahead and put a word in right now so everybody can hear it. We, we want to have you back again. 
uh, sometime, and we'll look forward to that when it happens. Absolutely. It's been a delight being with you today, Brian. Take care, my friend. God bless. Well, I want to invite you right now to go to the show notes for this episode, brianholmes.com forward slash 028. I would love for you to engage us in conversation there, leave your questions, your comments, your thoughts, your appreciation for Dan being on the program. We would love very much to engage you uh, there on the website. And also, while you're there, be sure to share this episode with someone that you know might be in transition, maybe looking to really connect with what it is God's given them to do in their life. And I believe with all of my heart that if you can help me get the word out on this episode, it will be a great, great blessing to a lot of people. Well, I just wanted to leave you with a couple of very quick announcements here. I'm going to be in Houston, Texas on February the 16th. That is a Sunday. Always a privilege to hang out with my peeps at Christian Tabernacle. That is my home church in Houston, actually. I grew up there and spent many, 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 many days and hours uh, around that facility with such wonderful people, have so many great relationships in the Houston area because, of course, I grew up down there. But I'm going to be at Christian Tabernacle for four services on a Sunday. That's But what an amazing place to be. And if you are in the Houston area or anywhere close by, I would love so much for you to come and hear our, our talks there, our presentations there, and I'd love to just say hello to you personally. It'd be awesome. So go to brianholmes.com forward slash itinerary. You'll find the information about that right there. If you would like to have me come and speak at your conference, maybe a leadership event or your church Uh, be sure to visit my speaking page at brianholmes.com forward slash speaking and submit a request there. We'd love to serve you or your organization in any way that we could. I am really revamping my coaching business this year. And uh, having recently been with Dan Miller at his uh, sanctuary in Franklin, Tennessee, and looked at how I'm doing things, I want to serve people to the best of my ability. I want to do it with great excellence And with all of that in mind, I'm shifting a couple of things with regards to our coaching packages. But if you are at a place in your life right now where you believe you could benefit from having me, a coach, come alongside of you and help you to really refine the vision for your life, really zone in on your your skills, your passions, your talents, your abilities, and where you want to be in a short space of time from right now, I know we could help you to do that. And I would very much welcome the opportunity to speak with you about the possibility of being your coach. Go to brianholmes.com forward slash coaching, and you will find information there about how you can contact me. We can set up a time to speak by phone, and I would welcome that opportunity. Well, a couple of last things here. If you enjoy this podcast and the wonderful guests we're bringing to you, the content we bring to you week in and week out, I'd like to ask you to do me a very special favor. Number one, I want to ask you to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. And while you're there, go in and rate us. You can do one, two, three, four, or five stars. And, of course, I want you to be honest about it. But if you find value, give us the highest rating you feel like that we deserve. And then also you can click on leave a review and leave a comment there in iTunes about what this podcast means to you. Say, well, what what's the purpose of that? Well, what that does, the more ratings we have and the more reviews that we have in iTunes, it pushes us up in the visibility rankings 
within iTunes in our category. And that helps us, of course, to be more visible to others who want to find us but don't know where. So help us by doing that. Also, you can help us by sharing this on Facebook, on Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, wherever you engage in social media, just click the link that we provide to you on the show notes and share this podcast with someone. Of course, you can always subscribe to our email updates uh, that we send out on a weekly basis to share with you the blogs, the podcasts, the Monday Mastery videos, everything that we're generating by way of helping you to become all God's called you to be. We want to make sure you're updated each week on that. I trust something we've shared today has been a tremendous challenge to you. I I want you to pursue everything you have available to you in your life. God has absolutely transformed your world and made available to you some wonderful things. You have a purpose. You have a calling. There's something very unique about who you are and what you're supposed to offer mankind. And as we've talked to Dan today, I hope it really turns something over in you and you're ready right now to pursue everything that he has for you in this season. Well, as we close out the program today, I want to remind you to check out Dan's site at 48days.com and, of course, his community site where I engage often and every day just about at 48days.net. Those two websites provide such tremendous resource and, and networking with other people who are on the same journey you're on, and I encourage you to check out Dan's products, his books, etc., Well, until next time, remember this, you are made in God's image. You are designed for a very unique purpose. You are destined for greatness. The entire world is waiting for you to show up and be who you really are. God bless you. We will see you right back here next week.